We're about to preach on perseverance, and I've had to live it this week. I got three kids, 17, 12, and 2. Those, oh, no, no, two-year-old, he was a little surprised. Them quarantine babies are different. You know what I'm saying? They're different. But uh, I'm blessed, and so I'm just grateful. So if you're here for the first time, welcome. Thank you for being here, and we just pray that, that if this is the place God has you, you know, I know that God will lead you where he wants you to be, whether it's here or somewhere else. We're grateful that you decided to be here. Uh, something that I always say, if you're here for the first time, don't just decide today and, and be like, that's it. Give us three tries, right? Come experience what God is doing here at least three times, right? And then make a decision and really lean on what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do if this is the place that, you would, that God wants you to, to be. And if not, well, hey, we're so blessed. Just go somewhere where you feel like you can be fed, that you can grow. Just don't leave God. That's it. Don't leave God. Go somewhere where you feel like you can be fed and you can grow, and this is for you and your family. Amen? And so uh, um, right at the end of service, uh, I didn't even say my name. I'm Andres Lopez. Welcome. Can y'all say Andres? Roll your R's. But uh, Andres, my wife is Maria. As I said, she's in Florida. We serve under some amazing pastors who happen to be my parents, so I get like a double whammy. Right here, Pastor Carlos and Jeannie. Can we give it up for our senior pastors here in the room? And so... Um, I'm just grateful. Right at the conclusion of service, we'll be outside under that hot tent greeting every single person in this room. And can we also pray for rain in Jesus' name, like a cold front? Like, what are you doing, God? Like, what's, what's going on? Have y'all had those kind of prayers to God? Like, homie, you know what I'm saying? Like, do y'all talk? That's how I talk to him sometimes. You're like, wow, that disrespect. No, you know. I'm like, what? We're burning out here, you know? Like, we're cooking. They don't even let us water our grass anymore. Like, it's just, it's illegal. They're actually giving out citations. Ain't that something? And they're, like, really having fun doing it. Now, um, I, we came out of a phenomenal series last month, and uh, I don't know if you were blessed with our disconnected, the state of spiritual apathy. Uh, I, I really believe that there was a shift. There was a, a turning point for our church uh, the testimonies that have come out from this past month, which you can go back. We have it on YouTube and on Revive Colleen and, and really listen in to what God's doing and, and ushering in what Alicia brought last week as well. I wanted to continue something and, and not necessarily a series, which kind of uh, birthed a series this morning in, in our Spanish service, but I want to talk to you about running with perseverance. And, and if God has changed you, if God has, has done something miraculous Throughout this past month, if you've been here, if you're part of our Revive Killing family, uh, or if, if it's something that you've just been asking God for, uh, I, can I tell you that it requires perseverance, right? To, that the moment you received your, your breakthrough or, or the moment you received your life, whatever it may have been, it requires perseverance. There's too many of us that quit along the process, and quitting is walking away, right? You're like, I don't quit on my calling. No, you walked away. That's quitting. It's the same thing. And so a lot of us, we're just going like, hey, uh, perseverance, like pushing through. So I, I want to read in Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm just going to read verse 1 through 3. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Tell your neighbor, are you ready to run? Ask him, are you ready to run? Some of y'all physically are not ready to run, but you are in your mind, you're saying, I'm ready. But are you ready to run? Verse 2, fixing our eyes on who? On who? 
the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Write down, running with perseverance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to be here today. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, for what you've ushered into this place. We thank you for each person that has taken the time to be here today, Lord, those that may be watching online, live or later, Lord. We just ask you, Lord, that you're able to speak and that they're able to receive something today, Lord, that helps give them direction, that helps them live out what you've called them to do, Father. But overall, Lord, that they make you their Lord and Savior of their life. Father, will you receive all the honor, all the glory today in Jesus' name. Come on, we all say amen, amen. If you are watching online, what's up? Thank you for tuning in. Um, so running with perseverance, what is perseverance? Per perseverance is the persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay to achieve success. Uh, perseverance is not giving up. It is persistence it is tenacity. It is the effort required to do something and keep doing it till the end, even if it's hard. Now, uh, for, for, for parents in the room, wave again for me. Parents, I honor all of you. Love you all. It's a tough job. It's not easy, right? Somebody's got to do it. But certainly, every mom knows, every parent knows that parenting requires perseverance and great endurance. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all were soft on those amens. Because you're like, you've given up already. You're like, amen. I can't, I can't with these children. Parents cannot quit parenting once children come along. Christian parents must parent through challenges and hang in there during rough patches. They must love unconditionally. And at times, they may have to take a tough love approach, but they have to persevere and never give up speaking into, praying for, and believing for God's best for their children. So is it easier to see the need to perse persevere in parenting because someone is counting on us? Someone who is vulnerable, who needs protected and provided for uh, you know, my wife and I were a team, and, and though a lot of, uh, of the parenting, my wife is just so much of a better parent than I am. She's just phenomenal. She's just mom of the year, Wonder Woman, and just uh, how many dads could say that about your wives? You know, it's just just whole nother level. She sees things that I don't see, right? Like diapers that need to be changed and, you know, when they need to eat and stuff that I'm making myself look real bad, right? But what I'm saying in general is that there's things that, that she knows needs to be done because it has to be done, right, naturally, versus maybe someone who doesn't think about those things doesn't realize that he might be hungry. That's why he's crying, right? And, and for these last, I mean, I have a 17-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 2-year-old. It's not my first rodeo. What I'm saying is that this week is so funny. The, the, the thought of it, yesterday I was talking to Maria, and I was taking Giovanna bath for the second time. He's 2 years old. The second time in the same day, just a couple hours apart. That just tells you my day already. And she calls me and says, baby, you're taking my bath again? I said, babe, you don't understand. The food that we have eaten today has caused a reaction inside of his body. 
And this reaction is causing something to explode that I don't want to talk about right now. And I just said, just get in the shower. That's it. It was just, just, you know, that's all I had to do. And and it was so funny because as I'm looking at him and, you know, I'm playing with him and he's having his, his beautiful, amazing bath time just being served to, you know what I'm saying? He's two, he's the boss. And, and he's in the water. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, I, he has to take a bath, right? I can't just be like, yeah. don't act like some of y'all did. I'll do it tomorrow. A little stinky buggy in the bed, right? It's, but it's, it's a drive that you're like, he has to do this, right? There should be a drive. They're like, we have to feed him. I have to cook something. I have to make food. I can't just say, figure it out on your own, little two-year-old. You know what I mean? I really think he would, though, to be honest with you, but I, I'm not going to test that. It, it's, it's something. You just can't quit on it. You have to do it. And think back on the past couple of years. Did we persevere through the awful COVID mess, or, or did we miss out, lose out, and fall out with people in ways from which we haven't yet reco- recovered? Perseverance doesn't just give us a pass from pain or hardship But perseverance gives us a quality of life and a testimony in the midst of trouble. Like we don't just get to go around disappointment of suffering or or even personal failure, but we, we can cultivate the spiritual mindset of biblical perseverance that what we go through becomes what we grow through and it produces a blessing in our lives. To talk about perseverance, the writer of Hebrews talks about a race. It is a great analogy because a race has a beginning and it has an ending. People who run the race run the entire race. They don't just start, they finish. People who don't finish the race haven't run the race, they have just run. What is the point of that? To just run with no reward, to show for the effort. If you count me out in the process, right, I want to run for whatever the finish line holds. Some of us were so competitive that we want to finish what we start. Like, no, we're going to finish, right? We're, we're going to get to the end of this finish line, right? How many have run a race before? You've, you've physically run some type of marathon or some type of competitive thing. How many of God bless all of you? I did one before, believe it or not. It was a fun one. It was one of the inflatable ones, you know what I'm saying, where they had inflatables every, like, <laughs> every quarter mile, I was like, I'm doing that one. My friends were like, nah, let's do this one, you know, the, 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 the Spartan one. I was like, nah, fluffy. I want the in, I want inflatables. Believe it or not, the inflatables is one of the hardest races I've ever done in my entire life, and that was the only one. I remember getting on the, you had to, it wasn't like just little bouncy houses. And we were like, yeah, no, these were massive inflatables that you had to climb. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Why? This was supposed to be fun. Like, you know, I'm over here just, I mean, exhausted. Midway through the, through the race, I sprained my ankle in an inflatable race. How does that happen? I'm sitting here, my friends were holding me and I'm just like, come on, I'm going to finish this. Because this is embarrassing if I don't, right? Could you imagine I didn't finish the inflatable race? I quit halfway. I'm sitting here being dragged, and I saw like an 80-year-old skinny woman running by, like, excuse me, out of the way. And I'm like, I have to finish. Look at her. You know, it's like, it's, it's something, right? To finish, you have to have a spirit of perseverance. Perseverance during a race will include pushing past your feelings. 
Runners all go through times when their bodies want to give out and they have thoughts and feelings that they won't make it. They have to have a mental toughness to stay in the race. And eventually their bodies make a shift as to choose to persevere. Perseverance is a choice. See, yesterday my son, uh, to, he's about to start his, his soccer season here in September, and, and they've been working out throughout this entire summer in 106-degree weather. God bless them. I'm in the car with AC. And, and, and I remember, so they did a fitness test yesterday, and, and they were preparing for this fitness test. It's going to be what he's measured by, and they're going to do it again in six months to see how he's progressed, right? And so they've been preparing them, and, and yes, they've been 12 years old doing two miles Three times a week. I, I sat in, in my son's sixth grade assembly this week, and this principal was going, just to let all the parents know in the room, PE will require one mile a week for your child. There was gasps in the room. They were like, oh, what? I was like, and Jelani looked at me, he was like, suckers. You know what I mean? He's like, doing six a week. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and I remember he got ready and I said, because I'm preparing for perseverance, that was the key word. I said, son, the key word for this season is going to be perseverance. I said, I want you to look it up on your own phone. Look it up. He starts looking it up. He starts reading. I said, look, up. I want to see three to four definitions. He reads three to four. I said, I want you to use it in a sentence. And I went all the way out. You know what I'm saying? He starts going into it. I said, wow, dad. I said, yeah. So now as I'm preparing for this fitness test, right? Because how many get anxiety with tests? To be honest, right? I don't like tests. And so he, he's getting ready. He's like, man, I don't, I don't want to say that. Son, it's not a competition with the others. It's a competition with yourself. You need to push yourself to finish this race. And it was an hour-long fitness test. And I remember standing there. I had my little one with me, so I couldn't join him. That was my excuse. Because other dads ran. I was like, I got to watch him. And I remember standing there with my 12-ounce cup of coffee in my hand, and I'm cheering with him. And I said, son, the moment you feel like giving up, the moment you feel like it's tough, the moment you feel like it starts hurting and it gets, I said, what's the key word? He was like, perseverance. I said, now that you understand that, it's amazing how parenting, they can create revelations within them and they start living it out when you take the time to do this. And he said, in the moment, he, he, he was pushing himself throughout every test. The final one was the two-mile run. And I remember him, he started, he started getting like nervous about his knee because he tweaked it a year ago and, and he was injured and, and he was just like, you know, he was like, dad, and he stops and he's like, in the middle of the race, he comes over and moves over to the right side. I'm standing there with my 12-ounce cup of coffee watching a toddler. I said, John, what are you doing? You're already done? Whoa, that's record. He was like, no, dad, I'm just, uh, my knee. I said, key word. He was like, <sighs> and he kept going. I said, go, son, go. They're like, you gonna run with him? I was like, nope, go. You got it. He needs to do this one on his own. I'm from a distance. <laughs> Perseverance is a choice. It doesn't happen without an act of their will when they make the decision. There will come a point when they catch a second wind, which enables them to keep moving forward. What a blessing to the person who endures. I said, son, I don't even want to know the time. You finished. You finished. He was like, I know, dad, I know. And he was bummed out, man, my time. I said, no, don't even worry about the time. Six months, you got another one. That's the one you beat, right? I said, they know who you are. They know what you're capable of. 
They know what's inside of you. Isn't that something when someone knows who you are, what you're capable of, what's inside of you, that the moment something tough comes, happens, you know that'd be the person that says, hey, guys, let's keep moving forward. Come on, let's push through this. I don't know if that's somebody that's sitting next to you that helps you, that motivates you. Who are the voices that are in your life that are helping usher and push you and tell you, hey, you can make it. You're going to do it. Come on, endure this. Endurance. What a blessing. Verse 2 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw you at the finish line and saw it as joy. So he endured the worst death imaginable for you to be free. Great is he that is within me than he that is in the world. So think about what I just said. Jesus endured pain so that we don't. Jesus endured death so that we don't. And he called it joy. How's that joy? Because pain is not joyful. How many are those that work out? Y'all are gym guys. My hand's down. But how many are you working out? Right? What do they say? No pain? Right? No gain? Then you're not eating enough. I don't know. I'm just saying I was trying to find a way. But no pain, no gain, meaning push, right? My friend Lewis will say the only failure that's acceptable is muscle failure. I remember I stopped working out with him right after that. <laughs> I was like, the only failure that's acceptable is muscle failure. I said, that, no, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> oh, man. See, the second wind is a phenomenon whereby an athlete who is out of breath and is too tired to continue something known as hitting the wall, that person suddenly finds the strength to press on at top performance with less exertion. Only those in such sporting competitions who persevere will be able to perform at the height of their capacity, and they will do so with less exertion. That means it is more exertion as you are choosing to persevere than it does once you make the commitment to persevere. After that, you will arrive at a point where extra strength makes the rest of the journey easier. Have you seen like some of these basketball games that are right at the end, it's wire to wire. Could you imagine fourth quarter, whatever it may be, last inning uh, or the last round of a boxing match? They're all, that's perseverance. You have to stay. Knowing your body is, is, I can't no more. They have to push themselves because they have a prize to win. See, I guess to see that at this point, which sadly is when many people give up. They give up on their faith. They give up on a dream. They give up on a relationship, they give up on their health, they give up on their career, and people who press on gain an unusual ability to go all the way. If the picture I am painting is true, and I believe it is, I am sad for those who don't persevere. If they would just take another step, if they would just go a little further, if they would just trust Jesus fully in some situation, if they would just commit their hearts, commit their minds and their strength, I believe that second wind would come in from the Holy Spirit who will then take them where they never could go on their own. Oh, there's been so many times in ministry where I've wanted to just turn in and give up. 
There's been many times that I've been operating in ministry where you're feeling like you're not in control and, and you're like, why am I here? What, what, how far should I go? And, and, and a lot of us, if, if you don't persevere, you don't develop a, a perseverance within your life, you'll give up in those moments, moments that God could be trying to teach you something, mold you. God could be trying to remove some things and add some things in those, in those situations. I said earlier that if you grow, go through it, you can grow through it. Now, I want to give you three reasons today why you should persevere. And I'm going to put them all three here. The first one is we persevere because there's a purpose to achieve. God has a plan. We persevere because there are promises to receive. It will be worth it. We persevere because there's a person to believe. God says you will make it. Next week, I'm going to touch on the second and third one, but I, 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 I want to look at the first one for a moment because we choose to persevere because there's a purpose to achieve. God has a plan. And as believers, we learn as we read the Bible that God has a plan for our lives. We are here for a reason. We are here to impact others. We are here to accomplish something significant. Simply, we are here to do the will of God. You cannot accomplish the will of God without perseverance. God puts us in difficult situations on purpose at times. See, when you read about the ways God used people in the Bible, you read that their purpose was powerful, but it wasn't easy. They were sent places that were difficult to go. They were put in situations that were often painful and isolating. They were given messages that put them at odds with other people, and yet they were empowered beyond themselves to do signs, miracles, and wonders, and to reap an amazing harvest for the kingdom of God. What if the gospel writers had given up? What if the apostle Paul had thrown in the towel? Where would the church be today without their dedication, without their writings, without their eyewitness accounts? Just two chapters before today's text, the Hebrew writer says in chapter 10, verse 36, he says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. See, the will of God will challenge you to walk by faith. The will of God will throw you out into deep waters. Don't quit because the will of God is your purpose to achieve. And God's plan is always best. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Everyone who was born from God will have victory. Everyone who accepts him, makes him Lord and Savior, will have victory. I mean, that's one sentence right there. One scripture, one verse that gives so much power to it saying that my decision impacts my tomorrow. See, the word victory in the Greek, how many know what it is? Anybody? You'll learn today. Is Nike. That's what it is. They got Nikes on their feet. Anybody? Nikes? Any Nikes? No? I don't. I put on my Skechers today. <laughs> Except in my age. Bad boys are comfortable too. I feel like I'm walking on clouds. 
And it's not spiritual. It's just... The word victory in the Greek is Nike. It means victory or success. Every four years, an event takes place that captures the attention of the whole world, the Olympics. And people watch their favorite athletes and, and their teams compete for a gold medal. And we all look with pride as a nation and that stands up to receive their honors. And, and I'm especially moved when they introduce each nation and its players and the way they walk around. And, and it's just such a beautiful thing. To, it brings so much pride to where you're from. And all of us like to see our team win. But few of us understand the price that these athletes pay to get there. The years of rigorous training and discipline. The same goes for each of us in the Christian arena. Without the right training and discipline, victory will always be out of reach. See, this passage from Paul gives us the formula for running our race well. Now, he tells them how to be winners. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is where I'll be in my message to close out. But 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, and it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? You're like, yeah, right? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Wow, what a powerful letter. See, this passage is written with the backdrop of the Ismidian Games, which is the equivalent of our Olympics. This event was held every two years, 10 miles outside the city of Corinth. These games brought people from every part of the Mediterranean to compete or just to watch. It was the sporting event of the year, drawing the empire's best talent. Athletes would complete in foot races, in broad jumping, in discus throwing, wrestling, boxing, gymnastics, and equestrian, which is horseback riding, contests. They would compete fiercely, each striving for the Ismidian crown which was just a wreath of wild celery. Winners received a lifetime exemption of paying taxes and serving in the military. They would also receive free tuition at one of their universities. Statues of themselves would be erected along the road that led to the site of the games. But the real prize was that celery wreath that they would place on your head awarded to the winner at the end of the games. I, I want to give you then six keys to running your race well. Y'all ready? Six keys. The first key is proceed. Get going. I think this is where a lot of us are stuck at right here. It's just the fact of starting. How many have started on some type of journey this year but haven't actually started? You said in January, I'm going to lose this much. No, we're not going to go there. You said, I'm going to start whatever it is I'm going to start, but you haven't actually started yet, right? You've received your healing, you've received your breakthrough, you've seen God move in your life and other people's life, but I'm still sitting down. You've seen God move, you've seen God expand, you've seen God accelerate this house, but I'm still not serving. You've seen God do so many things around you. You've been vividly seeing what God can potentially is capable of and has done, but I haven't got going yet. 
It says in verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? We're all in a race. We've got to run. Only one gets the prize, but run in such a way as to get the prize. In order to run the race, we must first begin. The great Nike slogan fits here, just do it. There's no way to win a race if you aren't running. To win the race requires that you get in the race. We cannot serve or follow God from the starting blocks. Winning starts when the daring to begins. It is impossible to be victorious without doing. We cannot expect God to say well done if we will not first say will do. So glad you're listening to our podcast and we're believing it'll bless your life. And our desire is to impact more souls with the gospel of Christ. If you want to join this mission and want to give today, we will be so grateful and you can do so by visiting our website at www.revivecolleen.com or text GIVE to 844-462-9071. Now let's get back to the message. We got to get in. And I think a lot of us, that's where we're stuck. We're just, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to, it's going to hurt. Have you ran before? I have. It hurts. That's why I haven't continued. I know I need to. I'm making fun of myself convicting myself. But it hurts. There's going to be moments of difficulty, but you've got to get going. The second key is pursue. Keep moving. Run in such a way to get the prize. This race isn't over until we cross the finish line. But if we want to win the prize, we must pursue excellence in everything that we do. Paul is telling us that we cannot settle to watch from the sidelines, but that we must be involved. We must be willing to take action. We must be willing to change our attitude. We must be willing to keep moving even when we feel like giving up. See, the the value of the prize was not monetary, but symbolic. The prize for Paul was a sense of satisfaction that God was using him in ministry, that he had used all his energy and talent and gifts for God's glory, for the good of the kingdom. That's what Paul lived for. He described that price in Philippians chapter 314, where he said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When we run our race, whatever it may be, let us put on our faith and strive for the prize. That's why I'm I'm not amazed that we're full in this place. Because we saw it at the starting line. Right, Mom? I'm I'm grateful, I'm thankful. But there were some people that started with us with the same passion that are not here today. Nothing wrong with them. God may have, he's, he's ushering, he's doing the moves. But what I'm trying to say is, man, what, I, I never wanted to be a person, me. I, I, I tell this to myself as I've done it before, that I'd be like, I don't want to start something and commit to something that I don't see really what the end result's going to be yet. Because it's small right now. I don't want to, it's like half empty. I don't want to do the prayer today. It's like not so many people came to small groups today, so I don't, oh, I'm bummed out. I, I don't want, this is happening, I don't, you know. And we're measuring certain things that God sees beyond how we measure. And then all of a sudden it explodes. 
And we're like, whoa, God, we're thankful for what you're doing. God is so good. But then there's people on the sidelines watching saying, I quit in the process. I, I, I'm sure there's going to be people, I was there at the beginning of Revive. You're not here anymore. I, I was there when they first started and started building, but you're not building with us anymore. So we see the prize at the end. The prize is not the growth, the buildings. No, that's not the prize. It's, it's expanding the kingdom of God. It's souls that are being saved. Families being restored. People returning back home. People seeing the, the calling and the potential that God has within their life and actually living this thing out. But I'd hate to be on the sidelines watching and be like, I could have. I would have. I should have. Keep moving. Pursue. It is not a crown of riches, but a crown that will carry a message to all who see it. The third one is prepare. Prepare. Get ready. Verse 25, the verse I hate and all of it. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. An athlete who wants to win goes into strict training. The King's James Version says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. It's funny because I see Milton's uh, uh, little movement goal. We're friends on our fitness app. And he goes, doom, he just finished one hour of this. And I'm like, boom, he just finished running this and this. And I'm all. Dude, he just finished four hours of meditation. Meditation? <laughs> Conviction every single time. I was like, mute. <laughs> I don't want to see him run his race because I'm not running mine. The key word here is temperate. It's self-control. This gives the idea of inner strength, strength not to indulge, or act on impulse. The word compete that he uses is the Greek word for agony. It points to the tremendous effort that put forth to win. Although the presence of our self-control is from the Holy Spirit, go read Galatians 5, the practice of our self-control is our responsibility. The point here is not necessarily abstinence, but having a strong control of our appetites and passions. If we want to win, we must prepare. If we want to win, we must. Could it be that what you're going through right now is something that's preparing you? Could it be what you're facing right now in your life is something that's preparing you? Could it be that you prayed something at the beginning of this year saying, Lord, help me with my patience. Lord, help me get victorious. Lord, help me have breakthrough. And that's what you're physically going through right now. God's saying, that's what you wanted. I'm ushering it into you so you can see. Can you continue believing? Can you continue worshiping? Would you continue running your race while it hurts? You have to. Have self-control. Life is full of unexpected events. And we must be ready at a moment's notice. See, as I'm getting those convicting messages from Milton's workout plan, something was to pop off, I'd be the slow one running out. He'd be like, ooh, dude, gone. And I'm over here, I should have ran when I should have, right? I should have trained when I should have. I should have done what I should have done so that I can be ready for a moment's notice. 
That, that reading your Bible is important. We're talking to God and praying to him is important. Showing up here regularly is important. Serving God is important. It's preparing you. It's doing something inside of you that the moment life happens, you know how to deal with it. You've been preparing. You've been in your word. You've been on your knees praying. You've been edifying yourself with worship. You've been doing things to help build you up. But when none of that is taking place, the moment life event happens will be the first ones to not have perseverance and will quit immediately we walk away we see it all the time been doing this for a long time you see somebody disappear for a month what happened a situation happened and while i'm here if the situation happened and i'm and i'm doing what god's asking me to do could i go through it having him by my side but we think we could do it on our own it's not by our strength is by his. When I am weak, he is strong. See, the key is self-discipline. We need spiritual workouts. I don't know about you guys, right? Can you imagine that? Bling, Milton read his Bible for one hour. I'm like, oh, you in the word. That's easier for me. No. What I'm saying is that we need spiritual workouts. If you want to excel as an athlete, you must go into training. The, the same is true for Christianity. There's time in prayer, time in the word, time in worship. To win the race requires that we are ready. We must be in a state of constant readiness. We must be ready when God calls us to serve. We must be ready for when we cross the finish line. I don't know how many times I've been in my position that I see Something inside somebody will say, man, that person is gifted. That person's anointed. There's something on that person's life. And then when you speak to them and say, hey, man, man, I, man, have you ever thought about doing this? Nah, man, hold on. I got some things I got to work on first. Are you actively working on it right now? Nah, I'm never going to see what may be inside of you. If you're trying to work it on your own, it's never going to happen. It's the same as a person that says, I'll show up to church when I fix, when I fix my life. You're never going to come because you can't do it in your own strength. Did you imagine that? We would never need God then because I could do it on my own. Oh, today I'm going to fix myself. Don't worry about it. I don't need church today. The key is self-discipline. The athletes that competed in the competition had to provide proof that they had been in training for at least 10 months before the contest. Milton could show all the been training for 10 months. They had to prove that they had spent the last 30 days doing exercises in the gymnasium. In the Greek games, only one received the prize, but for the Christian, the prize is available to all who run the disciplined race. The Christian should run as the winner runs. Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. In 1976, the University of Indiana won the NCAA national title. When interviewed about their success, Coach Knight said, The will to succeed is important, but what is more important is the will to prepare. We must prepare ourselves for the race. Number four, perceive, get focused. Verse 25 says, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 
If we want to run the race, you must know where we are going. Our finish line is heaven. Heaven is our goal. And we must be heavenly minded. All of us have heard the phrase, they're so heavenly minded that they are not earthly good. That should not pertain to any of us in this room. Our goal is heaven, but we continue to live balanced lives here on earth. To win the race requires us to be focused on the goal. The prize we seek is not temporal or earthly. The things of this earth will pass away. Our focus should be on what which will remain, the imperishable crown. The winner who received the crown did so after much endurance. His crown was a perishable crown, but ours is imperishable. It will last forever. And since these athletes did so much training for a perishable crown, how much more should we strive for an imperishable crown? My final two, number five, purpose. Get energized. Verse 26 says, therefore I do not run like something or someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Verse 26 makes the point that we should not practice for an event without a goal. Paul said that he did not run without having a reason. Many people today run for fitness, which is a goal. Have you ever noticed that many professional athletes give up running, biking, or whatever sport that they were doing when there are no more prizes to win. Why run if you cannot obtain a prize? Paul asked, why in the world would someone fight if they are just going to swing at the air? What is the point of shadow boxing if you're never going to fight? Whatever sport we choose to participate in or whatever resolution we choose to make, we must not just go through the motions. We need to set a goal in front of us. Any race that we, rent, we run, we should aim for the finish line. Do not enter an event, do not enter a resolution without having the goal of finishing. Another thing to point out is that too many times we focus more on the task than the outcome. There's a true story of a man who approached a laborer who was laying bricks and asked, he asked him, what are you doing? And the laborer said, can't you see I'm laying bricks? The man then walked over to another bricklayer and asked, what are you doing? And the workman answered with pride, I'm building a cathedral. Both were physically doing the same thing. But the first laborer was occupied with the present task. And the other was concerned with the ultimate goal. That's why right now, when, when you look at ministry and as you serve, what you do matters. I, my wife and I, we're in, we're in a season where we're helping shape out the youth ministry and, and, and the youth workers and the youth leaders and the dream team. Phenomenal group of, of young adults that are here every Sunday wanting to serve the next generation here at Revive. And, and I can ask that same question to somebody saying, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I'm just holding a post. Can ask somebody else, what are you doing here? He was like, I'm helping change and impact the next generation. What you do matters. The ultimate goal, 
that even if I'm serving in a capacity that looks like no one's seen, God sees you. If I'm serving in a capacity that looks like doesn't bring me influence or, or doesn't, doesn't make my name great, God sees. Everything you do for God will not be in vain. See, Paul tells us, tells the Corinthian church that they are to run this race with divine aims and purposes. See, if we forget the outcome of the task, we will become bogged down in what we are doing. If we want to win in life, we must strive towards our purpose. A life without purpose is like a race without a finish line. Understanding the need for purpose is easy. Defining purpose is difficult. To win the race requires knowing our purpose. We are to move through life with purpose and direction. And when we know our purpose in life, it creates energy for us. Paul knew where the finish line was. He isn't shadow boxing. His opponent is real. And he fights not as one who beats the air. He stops using the phrase we and now uses the first person, I. I have to get energized. I have to know what my purpose is. I have to walk out this purpose. And the final one, and we close with this, is persist. Persist. Never quit. Never quit. Why don't, you, why don't you whisper it to the person next to you? Never quit, Tom. It just sounds scarier that way. Never quit. Verse 27, he says, No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. King James says, But I discipline my body. Discipline, the verb hupopiazo in the Greek, literally means to strike under the eye and gives the connotation of giving someone a black eye. We need to literally have the self-control that makes us black and blue in our bodies. Without discipline, one is sure to fail. An athlete's strength comes from discipline. I want to tell you a story about the strength of what God did in my life. I want to show you a story of the strength of what God's done in someone else's life. That you can see it, that person persevered. I persevered through this. Is there anyone in the room that has seen God do something in your life and you persevered and you can speak on it today? Is there anyone that is grateful for God because you didn't give up? You never quit and that's why you're still standing today. Hold on to those moments. Hold on to that perseverance. Because if God helped you before, he's going to continue helping you throughout every situation. Never quit. Keep pushing forward. Persist. My final story is, uh, it was a battle, a marathon that was fought around 490 BC. When King Darius launched an attack on Athens... And since the surrounding city-states would offer little support to the Athenians, the Athenians were outnumbered by the Persians. And although the Athenians were outnumbered, they caught the Persians by surprise by running the full length of the plain and catching the Persians unorganized. The Athenians were able to defeat the Persians by not only striking from the front, but they also flanked the Persian army from the sides. 
Because of this sudden attack, the Persian troops broke ranks and fled back to their ships. And since the Athenians won, they wanted to send word back to Athens to tell of victory so the city could prepare for a potential Persian fleet attack from the sea. So Miltiades sent his best runner, Phidippides. I'm trying, I'm trying to read this. He said, take word to Athens. He ran the whole distance, about 26 miles. And when he arrived, he was able to say one word. And then he died of exhaustion. What was the one word the Phidippides was able to say before he died. He said, Nike. He said, victory. He said, we won. That was his purpose. And then he died. The Athenians rammed the whole distance of the plain of Marathon, which is some 26 miles. You see where all this comes from. He persisted and never quit. See, there are a lot of things that pull on us every day. You must decide what is important. God has given us victory over sin. However, we must not let our guard down on sin. We must use the strategies of God to defeat the power of the enemy. If we stay on course, we will finish the race. I believe that persistence is stubbornness with a purpose. We must be consistent to win the race. We can never quit striving to do more and be more for God. To win the race requires that we never give up. Paul is calling Christians to remain steady no matter what the cost. The goal we have is heaven and we can never give up on it. Go ahead, bow your heads right there. Close your eyes. Father, we just thank you in this moment for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you were the ultimate example of perseverance. You didn't give up on us, even when we gave up on you. You persevered, and you endured the cross because we were your joy. You saw the finish line, even though the finish line had people shouting and rejecting you. You still ran. You still loved. And you persevered. Lord, we ask you today, Lord, that as we continue in these final five months of this year, Lord, that we have perseverance to finish what we started. Lord, that if we've accepted your plan and accepted your purpose and accepted you as our Lord and Savior, Lord, that we finish that we run our race, that we move forward, we persist, we persist, we never give up, we never quit. Knowing, Lord Jesus, that you're right there at the finish line. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close. In that main text in Hebrews, it says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer 
and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, Jesus is someone you can not only believe overcame sin, hell, death, and Satan, that he is the ultimate when it comes to perseverance. But you can believe if you focus your spiritual sight on him, he will enable you to do the very same. That if you look to him, you won't go under. If you look to him, you'll catch that second wind. You won't make it if you try to do it on your own. You won't make it outside of a relationship with Jesus. You won't achieve your earthly purpose and you won't reach an internal home in heaven without him. It is looking intently at Jesus that will give you the juice you need to keep going. Do you see the last part of this scripture? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't stop worshiping him. Don't stop praying to him. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't quit going to church. If you quit looking to Jesus and nurturing your faith, you will grow weary. If you stop pursuing life with Jesus, you will lose heart. You will get tired. You will stumble. You might even fall. But if you trust in the Lord, he will give you what you need to continue to finish whatever race he has assigned to you. He is the one who makes the difference. So, we're all in a race. Whether you're running or not, you're in it still. You have a decision to make. Do I want to run this race? But do I want to finish this race? There's so much more to accomplish in this city that God has given the gift and the ability inside of you to help accomplish. But you got to get in the race. There's only things that I can do and so far that I can go. That's why there's community. That's why there's church. Because, man, there's dreams that are inside of you that God has placed with purpose to reach this world. You got to get in the race. So I'm going to ask you a question today when we close out. Have a moment of intimacy. Just close your eyes there. No one looking. Do you feel like you're running a race and you're growing tired? You're like, I can't. I'm ready to quit. Can't deal with this no more. Maybe you heard a message in this past month and, and you, you were in that spiritual apathy, but man, you, you broke through, but it's just, I still got to deal with certain situations in my life. I'm still running into certain situations that, that's really preventing me, I feel, from running my race well. God is reminding us today that we run like we're winners, knowing that we have victory even before crossing the finish line because Jesus already did it. We have a choice to make. And the first prayer, I'm going to do two. The first one is, is just getting in the race. 
You haven't known how, but you're like, Lord, what is my purpose? We said that heaven is the purpose, but how do I get more to heaven? How do, how do I share my story? How do I, how do I heal from my story? How do, whatever it may be, it's time to get into that race. See, Jesus steps in, changes everything. We heard it last week. Changes everything outside of what we can see. Now it's time to move forward. Now it's time to propel and launch from that hurt and from that healing. Now it's time to actually step into what God's calling us to step into. So my first prayer is that if you're a person right now that's struggling to really step in, to really get going, but today you say, you know what, I want to make that choice, I want to make that decision. I'm ready to run my race. I'm ready. Just right where you're at, no one looking, just lift your hands. I'm ready to run my race. It's time to step in. It's time to do what you've asked me to do. Amen? You can put your hands down. My second prayer is I said it pretty boldly right at the end. We really can't accomplish anything outside of a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that the earthly things will pass away. Everything we're accomplishing on earth does not come with us when we die doesn't mean we can enjoy it and find kind of fulfillment in it. What I'm saying is that it's only a relationship with Jesus that brings full fulfillment to your life. And it starts there. If today you want to make a decision to say, you know what? I know Jesus is Savior. I've said this so many times and I have to keep repeating it. Because we want him to save us from something. And once we're saved, our life doesn't reflect that he's Lord over our life. Jesus says, Lord and Savior. Lord is dying to what I want and saying, God, what do you want? Make him the Lord of your life right now. He'll save you. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, or if you want to return back saying, you know what? My relationship hasn't been fully there, but today I want to make a decision for him. I choose you, God. If that's you, Lift your hands right where you're at. Today I'm going to receive Jesus in my heart.